Hello, I'm Arafat, I'm in the UK. And I'm Mohammed, and I'm in the US. And you're listening to Slow Pit Stop. Hello and welcome to Slow Pit Stop, the international Formula One podcast by fans for fans all around the world. My name's Arafat and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Mohammed. Say hi, Mohammed. Hi, Mohammed. And we also have a guest this episode. It's our Didi. Say hi, Didi. Hi, Didi. <laughs> um, so welcome to our British Grand Prix review episode, but also... Um, Huge news yesterday about Daniel Ricciardo and Nick DeVries, and I think that's probably where we're going to start. Um, so the Red Bull meat grinder carries on uh, and has thrown Nick DeVries out. Mohammed, what do you think? Um, I can't say I'm surprised, but man, is that heartbreaking! Like that was, I was just so sad for him. Like I've been in the place like uh, where, you know, you start something, you're not very good at it, but you're like, give me some time. I'll get really good at it. But imagine right in that beginning part when you're not good at it. If someone's like, yeah, you know what? You suck. You're not as good as the people here who are experts. Get out. Like it would just destroy my self-confidence and my self-esteem. Um, yeah, I think it's a really weird situation because I think all of us feel for Nick DeVries. And there's a lot of, oh, he should have been able to, you know, have the first year, be given a chance. But I kind of wonder, actually, we've not heard from him. And I don't think he'll say anything like this in the short term, but maybe long term. You know, if he goes, I was really unhappy there. It was a really toxic Mm -hmm. environment. I wasn't supported. Maybe it is the best thing for him to, rather than spend a year in a toxic environment. But who knows, maybe he was having a great time and was progressing and he's just been binned because of helmet marco so yeah i mean we've seen like alex um albon had like a horrible time at red bull he was struggling so much but then when he like took a little bit of time out came back into williams he's done really well and you could definitely see how much williams appreciates him like they love him there and and they really like him having him around whereas at red bull I don't think that was ever the case. He was always supposed to play second fiddle to Max. Mm. So maybe you're right. Maybe there's a little bit of like environment at play where Nick is like a little bit happier to go out. Did you see the picture of him? This There's a picture that came out of him sitting with Toto Wolf yeah. this morning in Monaco. And I just like feel like that he probably is a little bit happier to be out because, you know, he didn't look so depressed. He's like, he looks pretty laid back and he's talking to Toto and they're both kind of having a chat. And the vibe I got from it is like he's ready for whatever steps are next and, and maybe even appreciative that there's still somebody trying to help him out, you know? Yeah, I, I hope that... Obviously, we don't know how the inside of the Red Bull meat grinder works, but I hope <laughs> that this wasn't like a shock or a surprise to him and he'd been yeah, given like... no, I don't think so. You know, he'd been told before maybe these are your performance targets and if you don't meet them then by this date this is what our expectations are you feel like i don't know maybe that would be fairer and rather than a random surprise but we have no idea didi what did you think of all of this i think it is obviously really sad for him mm-hmm. um and like you said i hope they ha- they have given him a bit of warning and they've not like just woken up yeah. one day and been like yep you're out next week is going to be Daniel Ricardo. Um, yeah. on the other side kind of happy for Ricardo because at least <laughs> he's like in a car again yeah. and he's just yeah. so smiley and happy and like 
it's nice to see him in a car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it is sad for DeVries. I think that, you know, I, this, the writing was on the wall for a long time. Like, they were been, they've been saying for a while, if he doesn't pick up his performance, he's going to be out. And they were like, he has still Spain to get it together. And then they, they put Daniel Ricardo in a seat test. And then they, they made him do test laps. And they said his simulator time is good. And I do think that it was all coming together. But I'm happy for Daniel that he's back in his seat. Because I feel like he de- deserves one more chance to get into the Red Bull. And then if he can't from there, then maybe he really is done with F1. The other thing is I kind of have to appreciate Helmet Marco. He was the one that got Nick into Formula One. I know he's the one who took him out of Formula One too, but like he's at least gave him a chance. Like, you know, you, if Nick is never in another Formula One car, he can at least say that I had a car and I had a chance to do well, you know? So I remember a long time ago, um, when Sebastian Boemi and Jamie Algosuari were like dropped from Red Bull and people were like, wow, they were dropped so soon. They had so much potential. Um, and David Coulthard, who was, you know, part of the Red Bull family said, you know, Red Bull invests a lot in young drivers who otherwise would have never made it to Formula One. It gives them the yeah. chance. And actually there's a lot of data. There's a lot of experts in the team that know this person has potential. This person doesn't. And he, I remember David Coulthard saying, you know, these young men have spent the early part of their 20s being Formula One drivers, making a very mm-hmm. good income and can now go have motorsport careers or other careers like Amy Al-Ghazari went and became mm-hmm. a DJ. Um, he goes, you know, rather than being at university, amassing loads of debt and worrying about will they get a job, it's just yeah. a different way of spending. And it's, it's a bit weird yeah. because we often think of F1 as like the final destination. And it is for people like Alonso, people like Hamilton, Verstappen. Mm. Um, but yeah, for a lot of other people, it's not a final destination. And y- you hope Nick goes on to have a successful career elsewhere. I can't see a situation where he comes back into F1 though. It would be so tough, especially with Toto already trying to get Mick a seat, maybe at Williams next year if he replaces Logan Sargent. I don't know, but... It's going to be really hard to get Nick back. And there's so many F2 champions who have just gone on to do other things. Like Alex Pillow is just gone now. Who's the other guy? His name starts with a C. Uh, Connor? I don't remember. Anyway, he's out too. So, But I yeah. think like you said, like at least he had that chance. He was in a car. Mm-hmm. He drove for a while. Like at least he can say that he got into F1. He wasn't, you know, he got he got to that point. Yeah. I feel like once you make it into F1, it's kind of like... What are, what is your goal? Is your goal to win races and win championships and get pole positions, or is it kind of just to take up a seat on the grid? And I think everyone in the beginning really has that urge, like, no, I'm gonna get into a top team and win and stuff. And once you kind of have been in it for a couple of years and you realize, like, I'm really not gonna ever hit those benchmarks, then I feel like you need to step aside and let somebody else get in. So with Nick, I mean, yeah, ten races is not a lot, not time to do anything. But at least he had that opportunity to prove himself. So I don't mean, I don't know. It is sad. It's sad, though. One thing we we should admire about Nick DeVries is this isn't his first disappointment. So Mm. when he was a kid, remember, I met him when he was like 12, 13 at McLaren because he was a McLaren You disappointed him? No. You were his first disappointment? I was his first disappointment. But he was (laughs) dropped from the McLaren junior program because they felt he wasn't good enough. And then he got to Formula 2 eventually and he won Formula 2 and he saw Mm. all his friends around him, George Russell, Alex Albon, Lando Norris, all go to Formula 1 and it didn't happen for him. 
So then he went off to mm. Formula E and he won. He won the world championship there as well. And then, you know, he had that great race at Monza where he scored points in a Williams and then made his way finally into F1. So mm-hmm. he's someone that's had to deal with a lot of setbacks and disappointments through his career, and he's he's never really given up. And I think that's admirable. Mm-hmm. But yeah. also, like like Mama's saying, there's this thing about you get into F1, and F1 is like the, the final goal, and then winning F1, winning the pole positions and winning the races and all of that. But actually, like you can have a successful career in motorsport mm-hmm. that is not F1. So like, mm-hmm. you know, Formula E and like, he'll probably still carry on in motorsport, but maybe just not Formula One. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in, in some ways, I think F1 is a little overrated in the sense that like, what, these are supposed to be the 20 best drivers, but it's never honestly been the 20 best drivers. Like, I think in one of our group chats, we try to go back and see like what year actually had 20 good drivers and no pay drivers and no bad drivers. It's never, I don't think it's ever happened in F1 history that we've had the 20 best drivers. In a way, F1 is a little overrated. It's just very prestigious, but I mean, you could do, you could, you could go to IndyCar, you could go to NASCAR, you could have a lot of success in other places. So, yeah. I mean, look at Antonio Giovinazzi. He's now a winner of 24 Hours of Le Mans, and he, where was he in F1? Exactly. He was nowhere. Yeah. So, yeah. But Dan Ricardo is back, and what do we think? Is going to happen with Daniel Ricciardo. Is he going to beat Yuki Tsunoda and take Sergio Perez's seat? I think someone is going to take Sergio Perez's seat. Um, whether it's Albon or Ricardo, I think depends on how Ricardo does for the second half of the year. They're either wanting to evaluate him against Yuki or they've already decided that he's good enough and they just want to get his racecraft back up before uh... the end of the year. I don't think they're putting Yuki next to Max. I think Yuki's going to go to Aston. I know we're going to talk about silly season later, but to me, the thing that makes the most sense is Yuki going to Aston Martin. Let's just get into it now. Yeah, Yuki going to Aston Martin. That makes more sense. Because you you had the big scoop, which I haven't heard anyone else say, that Lauren Stroll is going to sell the team. um, And once he sells the team, because it's so profitable now, Lance is going to lose his seat. Lance is one of those people who had the chance. He's gotten the podiums. He's had the pole positions. He hasn't won a race yet, but he's done what I think somebody of his caliber can achieve in F1. Like He's never going to win a world championship, but he's capable of podiums and, and poles. He's going to leave. Once he leaves, I think Yuki Tsunoda is moving to Aston Martin to partner Fernando Alonso. That's going to free up that Alfa Torre seat. Um, and uh, I don't know who's going to take that Alfa Torre seat, but, but then Red Bull, I think, I think Dan Ricardo. Liam Lawson. Goes to Red Bull. Liam Lawson. Oh yeah, actually, no, it is actually Liam yeah. Lawson. Yeah, but um, about that. the funny thing for Yuki is, I think in some weird way he's someone that is accidentally very, very talented. Like he probably got into go karts <laughs> because he and his friends were doing it or whatever, and he didn't want to do it. And then he sort of kept bumping up, and then he sort of accidentally come into F one. He's like, oh, yeah. no, I'm a good driver, and now I have to drive an F one car and get points and things. Because when they interview him, they're like, what's the best thing about being an F1? He's like, oh, the catering. And they're like, not yeah. the driving or anything. No, the catering. They make you whatever you want, whenever you want. And then um, there was some some Honda advert I was watching. And it was talking about like bucket lists or something like that. And I think Yuki slightly misunderstood because of language barrier. He was sat in the back of a car with Nick DeVries. And he said something like, oh, you know, if I'm on my deathbed and my dying wish... It's just someone brings me some white rice. I love white rice. 
And Nick DeBruce was looking at him like, what are you talking about? Like, of everything you could ever wish for, you want white rice? And he keeps talking about, you know, his dream is to, like, open a restaurant and all these things. And I think yeah. he's someone who, like, really wants to work in the food industry, but is, like, such a talented driver that he's trapped in Formula One. And if he gets moved to Aston Martin, he's just going to be like, oh, I thought I thought I was going to get dropped by AlphaTauri and open my restaurant. And instead of now, I have to go race against Alonso. It's just, it's just, he said he said that after his first year when they're like so you've been renewed for a second year what do you think he's like i'm really surprised yeah, he was. they renewed me for a second i could have sworn they dropped me after this year you know you're talking about formula one being pretentious i think yuki, t- yeah. yuki is the most normal person in all of formula one i think like you know when you watch a film and there's all weird characters and there's like that every man yeah. that you're supposed to be able to relate to yuki is that person in formula one he's the most normal man ever <laughs> He seems yeah. a bit confused by himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what do you think of these um, stories, Didi, of Lando or Leclerc moving to Red Bull? I don't think Lando will. Maybe Leclerc. But I think Ricardo will. Like Perez, I think, is on his way out. Um, and I think Ricardo will go to that. Maybe. But in, in the universe nice where Ricardo. In the universe where Ricardo gets into the Alphatory and sucks, you know, let's say that happens and he's just awful. And they're like, yeah, you know what? Never mind. Go back to Will Arnett podcast or whatever you were doing before. <laughs> <laughs> Who then? Because I don't know. Because they're Leclerc. saying Carlos Sainz is... Not Lando. Leclerc. I think Lando. Not Lando. Leclerc. You think Lando? I think Lando. Why? Because he's already you had... Lando's not happy at, happy no, at McLaren. No, he's already had talks at Red Bull. Um... But it was the security of the long contract at McLaren and the uncertainty of what was going to happen with the new regulations. Whereas now I think you can see, yes, McLaren's done really well in the last one race, but actually there would be <laughs> there's such a long way for McLaren to go for him to achieve a world championship. And I think Lando is capable of a world championship. I think he probably thinks his best shot of that is in one of the top three teams. But, if I was Red Bull, but, I would but take then Lando. Actually, for him to go into Red Bull, like mm-hmm. they're not going to stop concentrating on Max. Like I think at the moment, it's all like the Max yeah. and Perez. Like they're just everything is going into Max. Yeah, and like they're just ignoring Perez completely. And so I would be the rumor if is Lando went to Red Bull that he would be that just frustrated, yeah. not getting any yeah. of the you know the development. So, so the rumor is, and this is like completely a rumor, there's absolutely no basis to this, but the rumor is Red Bull wants to have two number one drivers, and they don't want to have a number one and a number two driver anymore, and they want to make the sport more, or, or this is because F1 wants to make the sport more exciting, and so they're trying to talk Red Bull into having two number one drivers. That's the rumor, and that's why they would bring Leclerc or Lando. Neither Leclerc nor Lando would ever play second fiddle to Max Verstappen. So exactly. it's going to be a fight. Yeah. I think if I were Red Bull, I think I'd take Lando Norris. <clears throat> I've just been so disappointed with Charles Leclerc because like even when he actually was fighting for a title, he made so many mistakes. And even now when he doesn't have a lot to lose, he's still making mistakes in high pressure times. Pretty much all he can do really well consistently is almost put the car in pole, like outdrive his car, but only on Saturday. So I think Lando is a more complete package, yeah. but um, Yeah. He keeps billing himself as a McLaren man through and through, and I don't know why you would ever do that. Like, why? What? What brand 
like power is there to build yourself as a McLaren man? I don't get it. So <laughs> but I think more than that, I think it's about like what would he get out of being at Red Bull whilst <clears throat> Max is yeah. there? And but like, I remember I... David Coulthard said, um, yes, McAkinon was the fastest man in ninety eight and ninety nine, but I'd rather be in the same car, which was the fastest car, because I'm definitely not beating him in a slower car. Oh, mm. that's that's good. Yeah. Um the thing is, if they develop the car, so this is like leading into we're going to talk about Perez, but right now they're developing the car away from Perez. So it's making yeah. him look a lot worse than he is. Like, this is just not the car he's good with driving. If they do that to Lando, it's going to make Lando look really amateur. Because I remember in 2020, everybody was touting Perez as, you know, a great choice to get into yeah. the Red Bull. Everyone's like, it's a no-brainer. He's so good. So this conversation now about, wow, he sucks. Like, it's like it didn't just come but out of nowhere. I don't think he it's sucks. Just, and this is, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, I think it's really sad for him and it's a real shame because I don't think that him like how can how can he be so far behind mm-hmm. Max and how can he be out in Q3 again and again and like why does this keep happening it has to be the car so there was an analysis from the race um, where they said Perez's struggles are echoing Ricardo's at McLaren and they talked about racing style so they said Perez is a driver who thrives when the car is limited by front grip, i.e. has understeer. And that's why he's so strong at street circuits, because they generally demand uh, more of the rear tires. And he's someone who can, you know, take care of the rear tires um, very, very well. You know, we've seen him do very, very long stints. But on conventional tracks, um, with a greater mix of cornering challenges, higher speed, higher, harder tires, um, the grip limitations tend to shift the other way and so you have to turn the nose very very quickly and be able to deal with the rear instability and the fact that you turn the car so much quicker means you're on the throttle quicker as well now Max Verstappen seems to be able to do that very very well and since Barcelona apparently Perez has been trying to change his driving style to get the most out of the car because with his own style he just wasn't he was off um Verstappen by a long way I think the biggest gap between teammates was between him and Verstappen last year mm-hmm. but they were just so much faster than everyone that it was slightly masked but he's trying to emulate Verstappen's driving style but it's just not working for him you know we heard about Ricardo trying to change his driving style at McLaren developing bad habits or whatever else um, and I think Perez is in that funk at the moment I have like a random question. How do people like Carlos Sainz jump from team to team with different car? Like, do they not have a driving style? Because it feels like having a driving style is a massive liability. Because as soon as the car is not the car you like, you perform really poorly. You know what I mean? I think everybody has a driving style, but it's about how adaptable you are. Um, And I think also, this is just pure speculation. What, What do I know? But when you're driving these cars right on the edge, you know, at any moment in time, it feels like the car is just going to spin off the circuit. And mm-hmm. everyone will have a certain point where they can feel it in their bum, in their ankles, in their hands, what the car is doing and being able to read it. And some people just say, oh, I ran out of grip. And other people like Max Verstappen, like Lewis Hamilton, like Alonso will be able to ride through that and go, no, I knew exactly what the car was going to do. I knew I could apply mm-hmm. a little bit more throttle. And you would see this in um, practice sessions back in the day. Like 
Verstappen would go off the track, Schumacher would go off the track because they were searching for the the limit, and they were like, okay, if that's where the limit is, I'll come one percent back from that. Um, mm. But also, I remember not what's his face, Latifi talking about operating windows. So he said, you know, I probably have a narrow operating window, and if the car is outside of that, I can't quite deal with it, um, mm-hmm. and I can't push it. I don't have confidence in it, and um, so I guess it's like. Uh, like, you know, Lewis Hamilton talking about in the Mercedes now, his, his seat is too far forward. He just doesn't have confidence in it. So I guess, mm-hmm. you know, you look at Usain Bolt and you put him in running shoes. He's going to win a 100-meter sprint, right? You put him in any other sort of sneaker or trainer, he'll still probably win because he's so good, but it's just not optimal for him. Mm-hmm. But then you put him in, like, heavy worker's boots or high heels, he's probably not going to win. So it's it's that sort of, there's an operating window and each driver has the window that they're comfortable with. I really want to see Usain Bolt um, race in high heels now. Yeah. Why did you put that image <laughs> in my head? <laughs> but, so the, thing to, the other thing to that, so do you think that, like, like Alonso, he's been in so many different cars and he does well in so many different cars. Um. Is he just a better driver? Like you're saying, he's more adaptable, so he can adapt to the different cars and the different styles and all of that. Yeah, that's got to be part of it, because like, what the whole thing is, how many cars can you win a championship in? And people say that, oh, Lewis should go to Ferrari so he can win a championship in a third different car. So I think I think if you can adapt to different cars, you're just a better driver. Yeah, uh, exactly. I think it's just a skill set, right, in, yeah. in and of its own. Um but yeah, I don't know. It's it's very tragic for Perez because I, I hate this new um, narrative that's come out that Perez sucks and he's and he you know he's horrible and why did he ever get that Red Bull? I don't think you guys are on the internet as much as I am, but there's a lot of people on the internet that thinks they're uh, they're experts of F1 and they're really not. I'm the only expert of F1 that's on the <laughs> internet. And, um, yeah, so there's all these people that just like oh Perez is horrible. How did he ever get? He got he got lucky. That's how he got to see. I'm like he's not lucky. He's very good at being an F1 driver. It, you know, just so happens that the car right now is not suiting him. But can I? I want to ask you guys something. So, how much of Red Bull's current success is Verstappen out driving the car versus uh, Perez not fulfilling the car's potential? Do you know what I mean, or is it somewhere in the middle? I think Max is extracting the maximum out of the car because it's a car mm-hmm. built around his driving philosophy. I think mm-hmm. Perez is not extracting the maximum potential of that car. Probably could be doing better. Um, mm. But I think there's a limit to how far Perez could take this car. Yeah, okay. But aren't they developing Max's car more than they're developing Perez's car? Oh, is that true? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I've I don't know. I feel like there must be. I feel like there must be something that they're doing differently between the two cars. Because so, how can yeah. one My car... understanding is because the characteristic of the car is that it's got a lot of front end grip. The front turns very quickly and it makes the rear very unstable. Um, and that philosophy has been built into the car because that's how Verstappen likes to drive. Whereas... Perez. Have Red Bull brought? Yeah, sorry. What were you going to say? Have Red Bull brought what? Any updates at all? This yes, season? they have. Because I feel like they we never talk about Red Bull bringing updates, but they must. They be have. Bringing I can't updates, remember when, right? but they did. Because I was like, oh great, okay. they're going to go faster now. <laughs> yeah, right. Because like 
If this is the car they started the season with, and we're still like two seconds off of them, that's embarrassing. Like that's insane. I can't, I can't believe that. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, they they did give Lando different parts in Austria um, than Oscar Piastri, but that was like a budget issue. They couldn't afford to bring parts to both cars, um, and then they they able, they corrected that. Speaking of McLaren, though, wow, McLaren was fast for some reason in in Silverstone like everyone thought Mercedes was going to be you know that much faster Mm. but it was really McLaren jumping from like bottom of the grid to second and third which is incredible and then clearly being the second fastest car although I don't know in race trim I think it might have been a little bit it might have been a lot closer with Mercedes because um they weren't able to like just pull like seven second gaps to Mercedes like you would think they could. So I think it was a lot closer in race trim. But still, how did that happen? And is and Arfat is it like was it Mika Hakkinen? Is he a savant? Has he yeah. has he called it? So I think the upgrade was very very good. Um, there's a lot of chat about how the teams that are getting faster are essentially looking to what Red Bull have already done. Yeah, and being sort of inspired by that. So Aston Martin. You know, they called it the Green Red Bull. McLaren have copied that. Toto Wolf talked about how Mercedes have looked at the Red Bull philosophy in their wind tunnel and just can't seem to mm-hmm. see where the speed is in that. So something's not correlating quite right. Um, mm-hmm. But there seems to be, you know, we call it convergence. So Red Bull seem to have found it already and will have less and less gains because I've already unlocked the sort of optimal solution and other people will sort of converge towards that. Mm-hmm. Secondly, Silverstone's got a lot of high speed um, corners where you kind of on full throttle the whole time. Um, mm-hmm. And so low downforce cars work very well where you've got sort mm-hmm. of low drag, sorry. Um, and the Aston Martin is a car with a lot of downforce and a lot of drag and I think that's why they faded mm-hmm. away and you saw remember when the Williams was in the air like its floor is completely smooth so these very high speed yeah. cars with very low drag um yeah. are doing very well at Silverstone and Landon Norris even talked about that later he said the reason I was able to keep Hamilton behind me was because I changed my setup from Oscars to make sure I was a little bit more faster in the straight lines and maybe lost the speed mm-hmm. in the corners because I didn't have as much downforce, but I didn't have as much drag, and it just helped me keep away from him even during the DRS. So, is this track specific? Maybe. I think McLaren has probably made a genuine step forward, but mm-hmm. the characteristics of Silverstone maybe flattered them a bit as well. Mm-hmm. What do you think of MMDD? You're on mute. Oh, I thought it was just me. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Can you hear me oh, now? Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's nice to see them moving forward. And I think, was it, didn't they do better even in the last race as well? So they are making yeah. progress. I don't think it's just one race. Obviously, this one race, they've done really well. But the last couple of races, they're making like inching forward. Maybe they are going in the right direction. How did they perform in Austria, actually? I'm going to look it up because I forgot where Bando finished. While you look that up, speaking of inching forward. Fourth. um, What what is happening with Lando's facial hair? What do we think about that? (laughs) Oh, no. He's trying to be a (laughs) grown-up. 
<laughs> He's trying to like not look like a baby anymore. He had such baby face for so long. Like, but also, like if you like, look at, he was so fun. You know, before <laughs> yeah. like his interviews were always really hilarious, and they were yeah. always like ridiculous. I always we really used to enjoy watching Lando interviews. Um, and they always do those little things with like when it was him and signs and they always had like little videos and little mm-hmm. random stuff. But all of that is gone. Um, but I yeah. felt like this time there was a bit of that fun and that like excitement that Lando usually brings. I remember after the race in Austria, like he was so serious in his um, interviews and he was so like just he barely smiled. He was so matter of fact. Um, and a lot of his interviews recently this season have been like that. But in Silverstone, he was just all over the place. I don't know if you saw after, was it on Saturday, where he was, um, he was like, I thought I was doing really well, and I thought I was going to be on pole. But it's Max. Max just always ruins everything for everyone. <laughs> um, and he was just like, I don't know, I just felt like he was a bit more of his self, normal yeah. Lando self. Yeah. I know, and it's so disappointing because when he was in the same team as Daniel Ricardo, we thought we were going to get so much good content, and then both of them were stressed the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Daniel was like not doing well, and Lando was wanting to do better, and oh my god, it was like, yeah. But um, I it, it was we did get to see a little bit of the old Lando because he was like joking and stuff, and it was nice. It was nice to see him on the podium, and it must have been even nicer, like for you guys because he's a British driver, he's a British circuit. Um, do do people like Lando a lot in the UK because he's a British driver? I think I think there's some people that have the whole national pride thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it particularly affects you, me. Man. No, like if Lewis or Lando <laughs> were from like like Lando's half Belgian, right? If he raced with a Belgian flag. I don't think yeah. I would think more or less of him than if Lewis was from somewhere else. Like if he was American or something, I wouldn't yeah. think more or less of him either. It's just, it is what it is. Fair enough. Yeah. It was nice to see him overtake Max. I feel like it's proof that Max isn't this like unstoppable, you know, machine yeah. right now. Like, He's going to win every it's... race from now to the end of the season. <laughs> I guarantee it. Ah, <laughs> oh, Depressing. But, <laughs> but I, I just mean that because, like, he was able to overtake Max, you know, in a moment of the Red Bull's weakness. So if the Red Bull can have a weakness, people can definitely exploit it and we can have other people winning. But maybe you're right and it won't ever happen this year, uh, which would be insane. I kind of want that to happen. I kind of want Red Bull to win every single race because I want people to recognize that this domination is worse than the Mercedes domination. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I wanna, I wanna. What is it called? Like smite the face to, or break the nose to smite the face. I don't know. That's what I wanna Get do. I'm not a fan of the sport. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of the sport. I'm a fan of Lewis Hamilton, and I want everyone to realize he was great, and it wasn't domination or the car or whatever. But that's what we have now. Um, I'm salty. Can you tell I'm salty? <laughs> Speaking of Lewis, how do we think his race went? Dids. Um, yeah, so I think he did well. I think he got lucky with the safety car yeah. and things. Um, like genuinely, like obviously we are Lewis fans, and I, you know, I'm really happy that he was on the podium. But I think luck did play a part into that. Um, and he couldn't get past the McLaren. So we're talking about the McLaren being, mm-hmm. you know, have whatever they did to make their car faster. 
but he couldn't get past it. And actually, at the end of the like in in his interviews, he was like that McLaren was like a rocket ship, um, mm. and he was definitely trying to get past it. Um, yeah, so I think yeah. he's done really well. It's really good to see him on the podium. It's really good to see like him and Lando on the podium. But mm. I um, think I'm, I'm a bit reserved about saying yes. This is the tide turning. Yeah, no, I don't think that. But I think in terms of Lewis's actual driving, because one of the things people talked about him a lot, especially through when he was winning the championships, was he was never made mistakes, right? And I think 2021, his driving standards probably dropped a little bit because he was so uncomfortable in that car. Not 21, 22. Because he was so uncomfortable in the car. You saw him make a mistake in Belgium, hit Alonso, Mm -hmm. all these little things. Um, Whereas actually... And I know a lot of that was to do with the fact that he was like testing on the car. He was trying different setups mm-hmm. and all this. Whereas I think this year he's just concentrating more on the racing. And I think he is racing much better this year. I think even though the results mm-hmm. don't show it, he's back at the level of, you know, the, the winning seven world championships. Um, mm-hmm. And we were having a look before we started this. Alonso is in third place in the championship with 137 points. And Hamilton is 121. Now, both of us said, look, it doesn't really matter where Hamilton finishes. The only thing we want is for him to beat George. But Mm -hmm. I think he will get ahead of Alonso by the end of the year. And I think he'll finish in P3 in the championship. Yeah, it's really a question of what happens with Aston Martin because I the potential to overtake Alonso is definitely there. It's just like a lot, if you look at the beginning of the season, Alonso was on the podium for like the first six races. Like if he can get back to that form, if Aston Martin can give him that car again, Lewis will never overtake him. But if what looks like is happening is that Lewis is or Mercedes is now creeping ahead of Aston Martin, and if that's the reality then it's definitely it's definitely game on. And what's interesting to me is Perez is only like 20 points ahead of Alonso. So Alonso is what, 20, or he's like 16 points ahead of Lewis. So once Lewis overtakes um, Alonso, if Perez is still like cr- crawling backwards and getting out in Q3, it's definitely on the table for Lewis to finish P2. But it really depends on the other teams relative to Mercedes. I saw this weird thing that some guy put on the internet where he, I can't remember who he was, but he was saying... Um, Red Bull could break this even weirder record this year where, because um, Max Verstappen could become world champion by like Sandvoort, the Dutch Grand Prix or something. Wow. And if that happens and he then gets out of the car and doesn't race for the rest of the year and they put Ricardo in and he wins the rest of the races, Red Bull could finish P1, 2, 3 in the Drivers' Championship. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, it hurts! It hurts. <laughs> but it also won't happen. It won't happen. It also won't. But imagine, imagine if they did. <laughs> uh, so wait, hold on. How how would you rank the teams now? Like in terms of speed, Red Bull obviously number one. But if you had to do now, Mercedes, Aston Martin, Ferrari, and then McLaren, how would you put them in that order? So I would still put Mercedes P two. Okay. Um, I would say Ferrari's P three and Aston. P4, McLaren P5 because it's just a guess who knows but I wonder if some of the stuff that McLaren was doing very well at was track specific and other circuits the Aston will shine Um, I think the big three teams Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull are obviously still the top three teams 
Um, Ferrari got very unlucky with this strategy and should have done a lot better. Mm-hmm. I think they were probably faster than Mercedes. Is it is it luck at this point, or is it? I'm no. going to say, is it, it, you said it's Ferrari didn't get the strategy right, and I'm sure we did a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm, I actually think we've probably done more than one podcast where we discussed Ferraris. Strategies, but if they got the strategy strategies. right, I think the car has the pace. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like even if Ferrari was faster than Mercedes, you could still count on Mercedes to outscore yeah. them. I think that's the thing. Like, <laughs> it feels like someone else is the second fastest car each weekend. Like McLaren was the second fastest this weekend. Austria was Ferrari. Like there's other races where it's obviously Aston Martin. Whereas I feel like because Mercedes is consistently the third fastest car. They're picking they're up overall, all these points. Um, yeah, so because they're consistently the third fastest, I think they're the second fastest overall. <laughs> it's probably true, honestly. But I, I think so. I was like thinking a lot about the pace. So I think if if you take away the track-specific advantage that the McLaren had, I think they're right behind Mercedes or right at Mercedes. And I think Ferrari and Mercedes are probably about the same because Ferrari, like they couldn't really make any moves on Mercedes. And we really just needed... Uh, the pit stops to get us ahead of them. Although George uh, did manage to get ahead of Charles Leclerc on a better tire um, right after their pit. So, so maybe we're slightly ahead of Ferrari. So oh, then with that said, how I brutal think I was it, it when Carlos Sainz lost like three positions in three corners? Yeah, I don't even mm. know what happened. Did he? But his tires just give yeah. up. Did they just die? Yeah, yeah. The, you know what they talk about falling off a cliff? Was that the cliff? That was the cliff. <laughs> I just felt so bad for him as each one happened. And again, and again, and again. Oh Oh my God. And then it was like Alex Albon challenging him for a position. It was just like getting worse and worse. But um, yeah, so I think it's going to go. I think it's Mercedes. I think it's Mercedes second, Red Bull right, right with them. I mean, not Red Bull, sorry. Ferrari (laughs) right with them. Yeah, Red Bull's right with them. The Red Bull's decades ahead, and then um, and then uh, Aston just behind. But it's a it's you know uh, Andrew Shovlin who's like um, in charge of Mercedes. Well, I don't know who he's so, somebody in Mercedes. I know his face. He was saying that uh, he's like this is a weird time because everyone's going to bring an upgrade. So you're going to think you're the fastest, and then somebody brings an upgrade, and they're the fastest. Then you bring an upgrade, and you're the fastest. So as long as all of this puts together a good W15 for next year, I just want Lewis to finish ahead of George. And um, to to uh, hopefully win a race, but I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, yeah. Alex, what do you think of his performance? Yeah, I, I also thought those thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for Lily to answer. I think he's doing really well. I think it's good that he's outside the Red Bull meat grinder. He's leading that Williams yeah. team. He's getting points in that car. Is doing a whole world of good for his reputation. Um, and I think other teams will maybe start to look at him. I don't know where the best no. place for him to go would be, but because um, I think if he went back to Red Bull, it would just not go well again. Yeah. No appendix in the history of humankind has done more for F1 drama than the yeah. appendix of Alex Albon. Yeah. So. But um, <laughs> what I think would be nice, and I'm not sure it would ever happen, but maybe, was Albon as a child was a huge Ferrari fan. He used to have all the red stuff. He used to have Michael Schumacher posters on his wall, all this kind of stuff. So if he somehow eventually ended up in Ferrari, I think that'd be nice. 
So that's the thing, right? People are saying, oh, Carlos Sainz is leaving F1, and when he leaves, Alex Albon's going to take his spot. I don't know where Carlos Sainz is going, like, because they say he's leaving F1. Where's where's he going? Um, <laughs> but if he does, I guess that's what they want for everyone's Alex Albon. He's a very good driver. He can definitely outdrive a car. He, you know, is good at listening to team orders and playing the team game, and I think he'd be he'd do good at Ferrari. But I'm curious to know where, where these rumors think Carlos Sainz is jetting off to. Maybe Monaco. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's just a bit fed up of Ferrari as well. And they're strong. Yeah, they both are. They yeah, play, you, you can conceivably see. Yeah. <laughs> you can see them both leaving Ferrari like next year. Like, that's it. We're done. <laughs> My favorite part of this weekend is when uh, Carlos Sanchez's engineer was like, okay, Carlos, that's plan B, plan B. It was just like, What's plan B? I don't remember. <laughs> Copy, we will get back to you. Nobody remembers what plan B is. Yeah. Well, you don't know, Carlos? We thought you knew. We don't know either. He is the best strategist at Ferrari. You should listen to him. Yeah. Since Seb. He's the, be- he's the best strategist Ferrari has seen since uh, Seb left. Um... But yeah, so we'll have Hungary coming up in a couple days. Daniel Ricciardo making his debut as an Alfatori driver for the first time since the last time he did that. Um, anything else you guys want to say before we close out? Great. I echo those thoughts. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. It's too late. It's now 23.19 and I'm barely away. It's, it's crazy how time works. <laughs> I thought... You're muted. We can't hear what you're My saying. My bad. Sorry, I'm tired too. I was saying in 40 <laughs> minutes, I won't be 33 years old anymore. <gasps> oh my God, Let's it's th- it's going to be Thursday. Oh my. Let's sing. Yes. Day to you. Happy birthday to you. And Daniel Ricardo. Happy birthday to our father. Happy birthday to you. Yeah, I know, he's a week older than me, but yeah. This has been a production for Not That Good Media.